The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. The Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 8, of Christ the Mediator, Paragraph 3. The Lord Jesus, in his human nature, thus united to the divine, was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure, having in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, in whom it pleased the Father that all fullness should dwell, to that end being holy, harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth. He might be thoroughly furnished to execute the office of a mediator and surety, which office he took not unto himself, but was thereunto called by his Father, who put all power and judgment into his hand and gave him commandment to execute the same. How many times have we left church after hearing a challenging sermon And as we travel home, we decide that it is time to get serious with God. From now on, we say things will change. From now on, half-heartedness will disappear. From now on, everything will be absolutely different. Then, sadly, we arrive home to discover that the cat has ate half of the pavlova. We stomp about the house angrily searching for our feline friend, fully intending to put it out of the house forevermore. Not only that, but the children are starting to fight. They have forgotten all about what they heard in the children's address that day and they're now tearing strips of one another. And then the phone goes to tell you that a surprise visit is about to take place from your blessed mother-in-law. You're grumpy, you're angry, you're cross and you're fed up just moments after promising that everything was going to change. If we can't last five minutes without returning to rebellion, after making bold claims and laying down plans, then how could the Lord Jesus Christ, who was, after all, fully man, spend his life in perfect obedience? How could Jesus Christ, who was, after all, fully man, live a life where we boldly proclaim was without sin? The answer to that question for you might come from the fact that Jesus was fully God and fully man, Therefore, we might think that Christ's divine nature overruled his human nature. Jesus didn't sin because he was God, and for God it is impossible to sin. Certainly this is true. God cannot sin. But remember what we discussed last time around, that Christ's divine nature didn't invade his human nature. Remember, we say that the two existed without composition, conversion, or confusion. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, in his human nature, knew what it was to be tired, 
God cannot get tired, but Christ the man knew tiredness. Christ in his human nature knew what it was to undergo the pain and suffering and agonies of death. God cannot die, but Christ in his human nature knew the reality of these things. We could go on, but it is an important point. Christ the man knew what it was to be fully human and yet still lived a life without sin. How was this possible? Well, paragraph 3 answers that question. The Lord Jesus, in his human nature, thus united to the divine, was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure. The Westminster divines here make the wonderful point that Christ, in his human nature, Christ the man, lived this life of perfect, sinless obedience as he was equipped and sanctified and anointed by the Holy Spirit. We read this in Psalm 45 and verse 7. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Here in this messianic psalm, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see that Christ had the Holy Spirit, the oil of gladness, beyond all of his companions, beyond all other humans. Jesus was fully God, fully man, and without sin. And Christ the man knew what it was to be sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure. And so John the Baptist was able to say in John 3 and verse 34, He whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. When we consider the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, God and man, and when we see the Lord Jesus going through all the trials and troubles of what it is to be human and still remaining sinless and spotless and perfect, we see it because of the work of the Holy Spirit, Christ sanctified and anointed above measure. And so it is true, as the Westminster Divines continue to say, that in Christ all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge existed. This echoes simply the teaching of Paul in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We might think that Jesus was able to teach and preach like no other because he was fully God. But once again, remember, the divine and human nature existed without composition, conversion, or confusion. Christ the man, therefore, was given all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge as the Holy Spirit rested upon him. Indeed, it pleased the Father that all the fullness should dwell in Christ, Paul says this in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19, For in him, that is Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus, quite simply, was unlike anyone else who had ever lived. This was the God-man, fully God, fully man, and without sin. And Christ the man was given the gift of the Holy Spirit without measure, sanctified and anointed above all of his companions. And in Christ all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge did dwell. And in Christ indeed all the fullness of God dwelt. 
Friends, when we hear the word of God, we need to listen to it. When we consider the teaching and life of Christ, we should marvel. Here is our great high priest who knew what it was to be human. But here he is living this perfect life, equipped and enabled by the Holy Spirit. The life of Christ is not some story to tell your children, as if he is on an equal footing with Napoleon Bonaparte or Julius Caesar as some grand historical figure. This is the God-man, sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure. The life of the God-man was unique in human history, and it is summed up in a wonderful statement of truth as this paragraph continues. The Westminster Divines write that Jesus, to that end, was holy, harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth. There are many things that could be said about each one of us in life, but here is this glorious statement of Christ's life, the God-man. John says in John chapter 1 and verse 14 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in Hebrews 7 and verse 26 we read, For it is indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. There are many things that we could say about Jesus. There are many ways that we could describe him. Many stories are told about him in both testaments of the Holy Scriptures. But in this one little sentence, in this one little paragraph, surely it is worth remembering. Who is Jesus? Well, he is the Holy One. He has been set apart from all humanity. Who is Jesus? He is harmless. He does not open his mouth when condemned. He does not click his fingers and send a legion of angels to destroy his enemies. He is the sinless, spotless lamb who goes to the slaughter without a word. He is undefiled. He lives this perfect life, fully equipped by the Holy Spirit, not knowing any sin, but instead being full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of grace, God's unmerited favour to those who deserve his wrath. Jesus is full of grace upon grace upon grace to sinners who deserve his anger. And Jesus is full of truth. Every word he says can be relied upon. Every word is true. Everything he has ever taught can be taken to the bank. Christ Jesus our Lord, full of grace and truth. What a summary of Christ's earthly ministry. What a summary of our Saviour. What a summary that is worth remembering. And all of these things are true about Christ as the paragraph continues, so that he might be thoroughly furnished to execute the office of a mediator and surety. Jesus was not ever out of his depth. He was thoroughly furnished to take on the office of a mediator and surety. We have spoken already in this podcast about the covenant of grace. Well, Christ is the mediator of that covenant. He is the covenant head of the church. He lives forevermore to make intercession for his bride, the church. It is this that we read off in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
And in Hebrews 7 and verse 22, Paul writes, This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. And in the same book, in chapter 12 and verse 24, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. Jesus is our mediator and he is the surety. And the surety makes himself liable for the default or miscarriage of another. And so Jesus took upon himself the punishment for our sins. The surety that was Christ laid down his life and was liable for the miscarriage of you and I. And so Christ, as he was equipped and anointed by the Holy Spirit, was thoroughly furnished to execute this office. If you have to go into a courtroom tomorrow, you want the best possible representation, don't you? You want someone who is thoroughly equipped and prepared and ready to fight your corner. You want someone who you think has your best interests at heart. Someone who knows what it is to have walked in your shoes and yet is still prepared to stand in your place. If we want that in an earthly courtroom, then my friends, in the heavenly court, we have Christ Jesus, our mediator, our surety, the guarantor of a better covenant. If Christ, therefore, is for us, who possibly can be against us? And Jesus did not grab this office for himself. The next line of this paragraph says he took this office not unto himself, but was thereunto called by his Father. Jesus was called to be our mediator and surety. He was called to this office. We read in Hebrews 5 and verses 4 to 5, No one takes this honour for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. The only begotten son of God did not grab the honour for himself. He did not exalt himself. But our Saviour, Jesus, was our humble King, our humble servant. Jesus was exalted by the Father who said to him, You're my son, today I have begotten you. And today, as this paragraph comes to a close, we take Chad Van Dixhorn's point who says, It would be a mistake to think of the mediator only in his weakness and not in his strength. The last words of paragraph 3 speak of the mediator Christ's strength. We read that God put all power and judgment into Christ's hand and gave him commandment to execute the same. Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 28 and verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And in verse 22 of John 5, we read that the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And in Acts 2 and verse 36, we read, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, the Jesus whom you crucified. The reality of these words is simply that Christ is not some foreign diplomat who goes and tries his best to broker a good deal. Jesus is not a mediator who one day will be utterly ignored by all of humanity. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And one day, everyone who has ever lived will stand before this mediator, this guarantor of a better covenant. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And therefore today, our saviour is not some powerless figure. We see often, don't we, in the event of any bad news in this day and age, we change our Facebook profile or we say thoughts and prayers with whatever individual or cause it is of the day. The Lord Jesus Christ is our mediator. He is full of authority and power in heaven and on earth. He can do all things and one day will sit on the judgment seat. Christ has exercised his rule as mediator both in weakness here on earth and in power and authority in heaven above. And so today, if you are having a moment where you are promising yourself that things are now going to change, if today is one of those days where you promise, I will pray more today, I will read my Bible more today, I will get serious today and be good and be better today, Well, I would urge this advice upon you. Robert Murray McShane once said, For every look you take of yourself, take two looks at Christ. Friends, you will never in this life be able to obey fully or perfectly. You will always know what it is to be weak and fall into sin. What a wretched man I am, we could say along with the Apostle Paul. But today our great hope is that once there was a man called Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life on our behalf. He did not stumble. He did not fall. He did not make boasts which he then failed to keep. This Jesus was fully God, fully man, without composition, confusion or conversion. And Christ the man was gifted and anointed above all measure with the Holy Spirit. He lived a perfect life and he stands today as the one head and mediator and surety of the church. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. As we close, here are some questions for you to consider. Question one. Is this statement true or false? Christ's two natures combined to make a superhuman. Give your reasons for your answer. Question two. According to the paragraph that we have studied today, what is unique about Jesus Christ when compared with the rest of humanity? Question three. Jesus is described here as holy harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth. What do we mean by each of these statements? Question four. Why is it a comfort that Jesus Christ is the sole king and head of the church, our mediator, our surety? Question five. Jesus was called to the office of mediator. What does this show us about Christ? And question six. Chad Van Dixhorn says that we shouldn't just focus on our mediator's weakness. How do we see his strength in this paragraph? That's all for today. 
As always, my name is Scott Woodburn, and until next time, this we confess. Mm -hmm.